This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Golf has a new game-changing number. Experience TaylorMade speed with the forgiveness of 10K inertia with the all-new QI10 Max. Only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more about the QI10 Carbon Woods. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, Canada. Welcome inside another Wednesday edition of GTC. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Bob Weeks not here today as Bob is on a jet plane to Melfort, Saskatchewan. He is there for curling day in Canada. Our coverage for that is on Saturday. I know Bob's packed a lot of layers. Hopefully he has at least that. Now, Mark, you are back in Canada. How were your travels on Monday, my friend? Uh, it was pretty easy, Skulls. It's good to be back home. It's good to see some family. I've got to do a quick laundry turnaround. <laughs> Have about three doctor's appointments that I've been waiting for for about six months. And uh, pack up the car and and drive 18 hours to the Florida swing. Because between now and Augusta, actually between now and RBC, so even the week after Augusta, so from now to RBC... The only tournament I have off is the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That is the only event I am not working. I'm going to go from radio to TV, back and forth for, what is that, nine weeks, Adam? I can't even do the math. I'm like, just whatever. Just let me know when it's over, buddy. Okay? Just let me know when it's over. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll be there. Uh, coffee in hand. Red Bull in hand, perhaps. But, uh, but it's good to be with you here. Uh, today, my friend, we've got a, a busy show and we'll look ahead to the Mexico Open at Vidanta and a bit of a wide open field this week. We'll get into that. We'll hear from Kristen Murphy about Nick Taylor's win, about Tiger Woods. We'll look ahead to Brooke Henderson, also back this week, her first appearance in nearly a month. Michael the Hound Dog Harrison joining the show, too, for a betting perspective. Looking ahead to this week at the Mexico Open at Vidanta. Plus, we're going to take an in-depth look at the all-new TaylorMade TP5, TP5X, the most complete tour ball where guys on tour are gaining upwards of half a club with their irons. These are guys on tour. Just imagine what you, the amateur, could get in terms of distance. That's coming up a little later in the show. But first, let's kick things off with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Okay, so we're going to take a deep dive into the Mexico Open at Vidanta in our next segment. But, Mark, I love the tweet that you put out uh, as you were leaving the West Coast Swing, summarizing your experience on the West Coast. And I thought it'd be a, a cool thing to, you know, on Twitter, on X, you only have so many characters, unless you have one of the upgraded accounts, I believe. So you can only put your thoughts in so many characters. But let's, let's really flush this out, because you gave five really cool thoughts that I want to talk a lot about of. So let's go to number one. Riv is the best course on the PGA to a Riviera where the Genesis Invitational was played last week. Why in your mind is Riviera the best course on tour? Um, well, you know what, to be honest with you, Skulls, I, I just, it's for a lot of the reasons that people love Augusta National, but I think 
this is going to be controversial, but I think it even outdoes Augusta National in, in certain elements as to why I think it's the best. So it, it's got an incredible amount of risk reward in the golf course, number 10 being an obvious example. Uh, some of the par five, some of the par fours where it asks you like eight, uh, simple par four like eight where by the scorecard yardage of, you know, 458 yards straight away, it's like, well, where's the risk reward here? Well, you've got two fairways to choose, right? You've got a, a longer route, but a safer drive up the right, or you can carry it over the branca like the longer hitters do and challenge the branca and bust it up the left and put a short iron in your hand. But to me, it's a, it's a perfect blend of risk reward. That's why I think it's so good. I think it's a perfect blend of short and long. You've got short and long holes all over the place. It is the best golf course on tour that asks the player to create angles. Uh, We use this uh, often on the PGA Tour, not often enough. There's about five or six times a year where the golfer is asked to play the hole backwards. If the hole location is here, what angle do I need to access this hole location? Okay, I need it up the left side. Okay, to get up the left side, I now need to hit my drive where? As opposed to bomb it out there grab a wedge and go. So that would be my third point. The fourth point, you don't have to do a thing to set up this golf course, Adam. There was, you know, this golf course is what it is every year. The rough is what it is. Uh, We don't go in there and excessively grow up the rough. We don't go in there and excessively increase the speed of the uh, speed of the greens. We don't go in there. They're always fast at Riv. We, We don't go in there and shrink the size of the fairways. I mean, we're playing it almost to how the membership plays it at Riviera, with the exception of, I believe the 15th hole at Riviera is a par five for the members, and they play it as a uh, par uh, 72. So you take all of these elements into, into uh, the equation, and then let's just think in 2031, we're going to have a U.S. Open at Riv. I mean, I just think it is the best, and... Uh, and oh, by the way, one more element to the pie as to what why it's the best. There's no island greens. There's no water features. There's no these crazy visual intimidating penalty areas everywhere. This is just tee to green, and it's in its simplicity and its brilliance. I absolutely love the place. And by the way, almost every golfer on property echoes my statements. It was so much fun to watch on TV, too, and for those who haven't actually been to Riviera, you've got to add that to your bucket list of PGA Tour events to attend in person. I had a chance to walk around the entire back nine last year, and I saw a couple holes on the front nine, and it is amazing just how different I thought it looked in person versus on television, how tightly packed together the holes are, and Obviously, the 10th hole is probably the most famous hole at Riviera. And in this tweet you put out, Mark, before boarding to come back to T.O., you said 10 is the best hole on tour. Forget short par four, best hole. This is a bold statement. I love the boldness here. I know you had some responses from some people on Twitter, too, including our own Graham Dillette. Is that right? Yeah, well, you know, Graham and I were down there together. Graham was working for PGA Tour Live. I was working for PGA Tour Radio. And he really dislikes the hole. He is not a fan of the hole at all. And 
it is very controversial with a lot of the pros. You know what I find very interesting, Adam, is the older pros I work with, the guys that were on tour in the 80s and the 90s and the guys that grew up with Persimmon and Balada, uh, they played a very different game than the modern game. They are in love with the 10th hole because the 10th hole for them is a throwback to what golf used to be. You needed to find an angle, make a choice. There were times in a round where you just took your medicine. There were times in a round where you played away from the hole. There were times in a round where you didn't get a perfect lie in a bunker. And I find that the younger pros, the ones that were more current, the ones that played in this century alongside Tiger in a modern game of bombing the, go bombing the golf ball, and really in most of the modern game, being able to shoot at the flag at all times because technology allowed you to do it. Also, your physicality as a modern-day athlete allowed you to do it. They don't like the hole as much as I do and the older players. They find it, uh, they call it unfair. Not a lot, of, they don't think there's options. They think you just hit it in the left trees and hope. Um, so I find it so interesting how they come, they come to this from two very different places. And if we were to put like, you know, Mark Carnival, Dennis Paulson, and you know, Mark McCumber, in a room and put them on one side of the table and on the other side of the table you put Andre Gonzalez, Graham Dillette, John Rollins. You would have one of the most interesting conversations you could have between uh, you know, tour pros from completely different generations articulating their thoughts on what I think is the best hole. I really think it's the best hole because it asks you to do all those things, Adam, and it asks you to do it in 300 yards with no penalty areas. Um, yes, there are times where it can cross the line or get close to crossing the line, but you know that going in. You know that if the hole location's in a certain spot, you just don't blast it down there because if you get past hole high, your day is over. So stop hitting it past hole high. I think a lot of times the modern-day golfer, the modern-day professional has become completely spoiled, and the 10th hole at Riviera is one of the few times, if not the only time, on the PGA Tour, we ask the golf pro to do this on an annual basis, not be spoiled and not just assume they can hit three wood and driver. They might have to hit hybrid. They might have to hit long iron. They might have to aim 50 yards away from the flag, etc. And I think some of them just get to be in their bonnet about it. That's very well said, my friend. I have to uh, have to give you that. Okay, next up on this tweet you put out. And this is an interesting one. I haven't actually thought of this myself, so I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this. We are playing the West Coast Swing at the wrong time of the year. And yes, the start of this year has been brutal in terms of the weather conditions that we saw during the West Coast. So my question, Mark, to you is when do you think would be a better time to play the West Coast Swing? Uh, well, certainly if we pushed it back, a month. So here's the connectors. Everything, you know, they try to work it geographically, Adam, and, and I understand why. But but Hawaii is in the middle of nowhere, okay? It is, most of these guys now, most of the tour lives in Florida, okay? I'm going to say, I, I'm throwing out some general numbers, but based on my own experience, 
about 70% of the PGA Tour lives in the state of Florida. And then there's a huge hunk that lives in the state of Arizona, a small percent in Nevada, and then sprinkled out the rest, the remainder throughout the planet. You know, it is a global tour. But the majority of the tour comes from the PGA Tour. So it takes, uh, excuse me, comes from Florida. It takes forever and a day to get to Hawaii. So the tour is always lined up, though, for it to move west to east to eventually get to Augusta. But we live in an age now of direct flights, private airlines, chartered flights, etc. If we parked Hawaii and just took it as a separate entity, I, I'm... I think the Florida swing coming before uh, the California swing might might make sense to actually switch those in the calendar because every year the weather in California, with the exception of Palm Springs, which, by the way, can be very cold, is horrific. I mean, the weather in California is terrible until maybe it's just starting to make the turn. Right now, as we exit Riviera and leave for the West Coast, it's, excuse me, leave for the East Coast, it starts to get better. Uh, it'll start to dry out. They'll start to get a, a bounce back in the golf course and the temperatures will get better. I am just speaking out loud here. I am wondering if we went to Florida first, and then the waste management was the connector between the Florida swing and the West Coast swing. And then we went to Texas before heading to Augusta. It, to me, it makes a lot more sense. I know we got to make that one flight from Hawaii to Florida, but I'm wondering if that West Coast swing and Florida swing shouldn't be completely flipped. That is so, I've never thought of that. That is so interesting. It makes a, a ton of sense. I'm curious how, obviously, the weather is the weather, and it can change, it can snow, it can do whatever any time. Was it the Players' Championship, Mark? Was that two years ago when you had about 27 layers on in March when it was so cold? I mean, it, it's a total crapshoot, right? Yeah, you can still get it, and there are no guarantees in Florida in February, and there are no guarantees in Florida in March. Trust me. But your percentage percentages of better weather goes up in Florida in Feb and March than they do in California. California, outside the Palm Desert, historically speaking, how many Monday finishes have we do we get on the PGA Tour? We don't get many Monday finishes, Adam. They try to, you know, force that Sunday finish as much as they possibly can. And in my lifetime covering golf, I've had three Monday finishes at Pebble Beach, if you include now a cancellation of the final round. One year, they had to fly back to Pebble Beach in August or September and play the final round on a Monday five months later. I mean, Pebble Beach can be a complete write-off in February. Torrey Pines, Marine Layer. Uh, delays, problems, giant field, um, Riviera. Adam Scott has a has a non official Riviera title win because they can only play thirty six holes. We talk about it every year in the broadcast. Well, Adam Scott has a win here, but technically he has two. We just don't accept one of them because it was thirty six holes. When do we have that conversation in the Florida Swing? We don't. We never have that conversation. So. 
I, I, with all the rejigging and all the reshuffling of the schedule we have done over the last gazillion years, why haven't we addressed this? It makes a lot of sense, and that's where we go right to Pebble Beach. And your fourth point was Pebble. It's still the prettiest place on earth. And when I got to go and play Pebble Beach, that was September of 2022. It was absolutely gorgeous. Totally different time of year. And, Mark, I remember texting you, actually, as I was walking up the fourth to the fifth and you said you're walking down the prettiest thing you're ever going to see in golf does pebble beach for you ever get old going there no it is with all due respect to hawaii with all due respect to saint simon's island with all due respect to rbc heritage uh with all due respect to cabo i'm just trying to think of the prettiest places on the pga tour at the end of the day there is the monterey peninsula and there is everybody else lining up to fight for second and third. It is the prettiest place on the PGA Tour and and likely the prettiest place uh, in, in North America. It is just never gets old, Adam. It's such a cool place, and I know it's a, it's a bucket list trip. It's expensive, but if you ever get a chance to go to Pebble Beach, get to Pebble Beach. Okay, the final point in this tweet, and I love this too, hitting it tight to win is great. But I'll remember epic putting performances by Nick Taylor and Wyndham Clark. Those stole the show. And obviously, Mark, we're biased given we're in Canada. But those two putting performances in particular, obviously with Nick Taylor, those will be something that we'll look back at in our year interview specials as some of the best putting performances we'll see throughout the season. Insane. And for Nick, it's about having to do it when you know you have no choice. Like you either birdie these last X amount of holes and continue to make birdies in the playoff and make these putts or your tournament's over. So making putts when you need to is a gift. We've seen Tiger do it throughout his career. There's only a handful of players that seem to be able to rise to the occasion when they have the loaded gun to the head, so to speak. And then the flip side of that coin, Wyndham Clark, not that he didn't have to, but this is a Saturday and you're just on a historic run trying to shoot the lowest number, historically speaking, ever at, you know, really what I think is the home of American golf, Pebble Beach, 190 feet of putts on drenched broccoli greens on the West Coast. Are you kidding me? We had all the idiots out on X, Twitter, you know, the live bots and all the idiots who like uh, roller derby golf. And so the roller derby crowd was out making fun of Wyndham Clark because he missed the cut the following week. I'm like, what are you talking? We're talking about the comment was on 190 feet of putts on broccoli from a bunch of guys that, you know, can't make a five footer in front of the windmill at the uh, putting adventure ride at Disneyland. I, you know, I just, I didn't even reply to them. I mean, if you don't respect what Wyndham Clark did for those 18 holes on those greens, you have no clue about anything to do with this game whatsoever. You're clueless. Well, the West Coast swing has come and gone. There were some great moments, but coming up this week on the PGA Tour, it is the Mexico Open at Vidanta. When we come back here on GTC, we'll take a look at the field and we'll discuss the schedule. Are there too many great events jam-packed together? Because if you look at this field, it's pretty wide open. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the new QI10 Carbon Woods. Experience tailor-made speed with the forgiveness of 10K inertia with the all-new QI10 Max, only from TaylorMade.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Movember, the official men's health partner of Golf Talk Canada. You can get involved and help change the face of men's health by visiting Movember.com today. So excited to have Movember on board with us here on GTC. We'll have much more from our friends at Movember coming up on next week on radio. Welcome back to the show. Scully alongside Sakino. Weeks is traveling today. Well, Mark, this week it is the Mexico Open at Vidanta. And when you look at the players in the field this week, a bit of a different taste in terms of players who are there you look at the world rankings you look at players who have won recently let's just say the field here is wide open do you think mark this is a good thing for the pga tour having all you know some bigger events coming into weeks like this where a lot of players just need to take weeks off because they're not robots and need to rest at some point Listen, I, Adam, I believe that the non-signature events have been fantastic this year. I, and I and not everything can be a signature event. And look at the quality of golf and the stories we got out of Nick Dunlap and uh, Palm Springs. What about Nick Taylor at the WM? You could argue that the two best stories of the year so far came at non-signature events. So, uh, you know, I'm fully on board with, you know, big fields and regular PGA Tour events. Here's the problem. I, I, there's just too much golf. Um, and we've kind of, I think this week we've may have gone off the cliff a little bit. I mean, Podrick Harrington's in the field and why are we going back to Mexico? I mean, we were in Mexico in November. Uh, and if we're going to have two Mexican events to our conversation in segment one about geography, if we're going to have two Mexican events and now the worldwide technology is going to be, uh, you know, the Cabo San Jose is going to be the home of the worldwide technology moving forward, which is the Baja Peninsula, which is the most western point of Mexico. Why aren't we going to Puerto Vallarta in November? Why aren't we just doing a Mexican West Coast two-step? And does an event like this not feel like it belongs more in the fall, Adam, for guys trying to keep their cards? I understand that there's not a perfect schedule, but Pod, again, Podrick Harrington in the field this week and wouldn't surprise me if he contended. So, I mean, I mean, take it from there. I don't know what else to say. I say huge opportunity if you're a Taylor Penrith, Mackenzie Hughes, etc. I mean, this thing's wide open. Yeah, it's definitely wide open, and you wonder if there would ever be a time, and this was a topic of conversation, ooh, I believe 2021, where guys were talking about bye weeks. You wonder, Mark, would the PGA Tour ever consider that, or are there just too many sponsorship dollars, that sort of thing, around where they just can't simply afford to do that? Well... What if, Adam, what if you and I wake up April 8th, we're in Augusta, and we're getting ready to shoot Golf Talk Canada with Bob and Graham, and we're at Augusta National, and there is an announcement that the PGA Tour, PGA Tour Enterprises has come to an agreement with the Public Investment Fund, and now they are going to move forward 
uh, in a partnership, in quotations, and figure out a way now moving forward how players can come back to the tour, go back and forth, work on the schedule. Let's pretend we wake up and that actually happens. If the PGA Tour and the and Live Golf are going to coexist, Live Golf doesn't want to play more than 12 to 14 times a year. That was the whole thing for them. They don't even like golf, okay? If they liked golf, they wouldn't be playing Taylor Swift when they're trying to hit an approach shot into a green. I, I mean, why not a bye week for some, you know, make-believe team golf? And then, you, and then if you wanted to go and play that, you could, and... I'm just, how does this schedule work? Or does Live Golf just come in the fall? But I'm with you on these bye weeks. But as long as they're, Adam, is, as long as they are in a civil war and as long as they are opposed to one another, the PGA Tour will not have a bye week. Because if the PGA Tour is in a bye week, it leaves an opening for a Live Golf to get a spotlight potentially negotiate something with a real media partner to say, hey, the PGA Tour is not playing that week. Why don't you cover this, etc." So uh, the PGA Tour will not leave themselves exposed as long as Live Golf is still the enemy. Well, that gives me an opportunity to use the Taylor Swift shake it off line. I was waiting for that the entire time. (laughs) Mark, I got to tell you. Anyway, uh, Mexico Open at Vidanta. Tony Finau, the overwhelming betting favorite on FanDuel at plus 750. I'll give our TSN Edge PGA Tour picks a little later in the show. When we come back here on GTC, we're going to tee up our interview all about the new TaylorMade TP5, TP5X, and talk about our early experiences playing the new golf ball because it is sweet. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Movember, the official men's health partner of Golf Talk Canada. You can get involved and help change the face of men's health by visiting Movember.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside GTC. Scully and Zacchino here. Well, last week, TaylorMade officially unveiled the new TP5, TP5X golf ball, the most complete tour ball. In our next segment, we're going to take a deep dive with Mike Fox from TaylorMade discussing this new golf ball and the early reactions, the early impressions from tour players is this thing is fast and fast is an understatement. Now, Mark, I know was two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago, you put out a little teaser on Instagram with your maiden voyage using the new golf ball. What were your impressions? So this is interesting, Adam, because I, I didn't take it out until I got to Dana Point in Newport Beach. I had a couple days off there in between uh, events. So I played with the last year's TP5X when I was in Pebble. And I was a full iron shorter than I am at home, which you often are in California that time of year. The air's so heavy and it's so damp that the the irons just don't care. They just don't carry as far. So uh, on the East Coast or Toronto, when it's warmer, you know, if I hit pitching wedge, I would need nine iron 
at Pebble. Uh, Fred Albers, who's uh, my colleague on PGA Tour Radio, calls uh, Pebble Beach the home of the professional 150-yard 8-iron. The ball just doesn't go anywhere. Um, so then when I went to uh, Data Point and, I, uh, and to L.A., and it was still cool and it was still damp, I switched balls. And I brought out the, the new TP5X. And the difference between East Coast and West Coast was almost completely gone. I mean, it was it was half a club, and at times I didn't notice it at all. Like it was, it, you know, you never get. Not always are you dealing with perfect numbers, but I can one hundred percent say that from you know going from last year's ball to this year's ball on the West Coast in cool, damp environments, I noticed immediately a half a club. And it's interesting we're having this conversation, Adam, because I came home from California and all of our new gear was there. And I know we're going to shoot something this week and have something on the new gear. Now, you know, I play irons that are a little longer. They're about a half inch over and very flat. And the reason they're a half inch over and very flat is because I like the weight and I'm and everything in my bag is built to not hook a golf ball because I grew up fighting a hook. Right. And. I, I like heavy golf clubs. This year, I'm trying to get to an iron that's a standard length that isn't as flat because I'm trying to get the ball a little further back in my stance and get on top of the ball a little bit more. So when you go to a shorter golf club, it's automatic that you're likely going to you know, lose some yardage going to, to a shorter iron. And because the new ball is so fast, that I, I believe that I'm going to be able to go to a shorter iron uh, with a stiffer, heavier shaft. So two things that should make the golf ball go shorter. And I don't think I'm going to notice a difference in my irons. I think because of the new ball and because uh, of speed foam and things like that, uh, that I'm going to be able to go to a shorter iron in length and a stiffer, heavier shaft. And I don't believe I'm going to notice a difference in, in, in how far the ball goes. So there's so much going on now with this technology and, and I just can't help but bring it up, Adam. I can't believe that we're not going to be able to like stockpile them now because after 2028, 20, 2030, 20, depending if you're a professional or amateur, you're not going to be able to use this golf ball anymore unless there's stuff going on behind the scenes we don't know about. Yeah, I think I'll be placing an order for uh, 200 dozen of these golf balls and just have them just littered around my condo because, yeah, I, I'm totally there with you. And we've seen a lot now on social media where on TaylorMade's channels where some of their players have done what is called the 5x5 five five challenge where five golf balls are hit from the 2021 version of the TP5 or 5X, whatever their golf ball of choices, and the 2024 version too. And so Ricky Fowler's done this. I know Rory McIlroy, some more videos are coming out. And Mark, I actually did this as well when we were shooting a lot of our TaylorMade product specials in South Carolina in November. And I'm going to read you some numbers out. So I was doing this with a six iron. So my club head speed with a six iron with the old ball was 99 miles per hour. My ball speed was 140, and my total average was 203 yards. Now, check this. This is where the new ball comes into play. Same club head speed. My ball speed was up four, and my total was up seven. Like, wow. those numbers, just saying those out loud, half a club further. Just imagine, you know, we're both, I'd like to call it decent golfers, but just imagine someone who is... 
a 20 handicap, putting this new ball in play, combining that with the new QI10, any of their series, and quite literally, Mark, they're going to gain 15 yards. Yeah, and I think that you kind of hit the wheelhouse there, Adam. If you're anywhere from like a 10 to 18 handicap, I think this year's product line for TaylorMade is really life-changing. Now, you know, if you're like a 26, 28 handicap, you're still figuring out your swing. You're still learning the game. The desire there is to just, you know, improve your contact, okay? And obviously the inertia, the 10K inertia, for, for forgiveness in the new driver, etc., is certainly going to help you. But there's only so much forgiveness if you're still learning the game, etc., that you can get. If you're a single-digit handicap, you're going to notice what you and I notice. So you're going to see improvements, half a club here, this and that. Certainly, maybe if you're like a 6, 7, 8, or 9, maybe you don't want to think about the LS driver model. You want to get into something that's a little bit more forgiving because maybe a little bit, maybe if you, if a few more fairways around, you can get from 9 to 6, let's say. But if you're in that, you know, 10 to 18 category where you're like a regular golfer and a, and a decent player and you've never, you know, kind of been able to get up the next level. To me, Adam, that's the sweet spot for this new stuff because, you know, they're, a 14 handicap is a 14 handicap for a reason. They don't hit it in the center of the face all the time. They've got decent swings. Their swings are pretty repeatable, but their swings have flaws, major flaws, and that's why they're a 14 handicap. And if I can tell that, I can say to them that, you know, your sweet spot has just grown by X amount of percentage and your dispersion is going to be, you know, 30% better than it was the year before. And now I'm giving you a golf ball that, you know, you always try to, you know, that, that bunker at your home club, you just can't quite carry it unless you hit it perfect. And now you don't have to hit it perfect to me. That is the portion of the golf community that is going to fall in love with this year's line more so than anybody else. And by the way, I mean, that happens to be the majority majority of the golfing public. I think the last time I looked, the average handicap in Canada was, you know, somewhere around 15, 16. So, I mean, in the regular golfer base, people who play the game and practice the game on a regular basis. So I think it's a huge win for them. And I find it also so interesting, Scully, that all these different models are sprinkled down throughout the tour. It's we, we're seeing the LS, we're seeing the Max. Morikawa's playing the Max. We're seeing the you know just the standard QI10. Um, make sure you get fit. If you're a stealth, if you were a stealth plus, uh, or if you were a Sim One, don't automatically assume this year. Make sure you try the different models and get it dialed in. It is a whole new, almost reverse engineered process this year. Very different than we've ever had before. And I think it's a huge win for the average golfer. And we'll have much more on our tailor-made product special. That's coming up in a couple of weeks on television. Well, Mark, I know you have a lot to do on this day, some appointments. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Good to have you back in Toronto briefly, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week on GTC Adam, quickly before, quickly before I say goodbye, I met Murph's brother. Murph's oh. brother was at Riv. And I hear my name being called. I was in front of the 15th green. I can't remember who I was following. It might have been calling a short putt for Scotty Scheffler, which happened to miss. Anyway, and it was Murph's brother. 
the, amazing the people you meet out and about living out of a suitcase. Hey, thanks for holding it down, Scully. I'll talk to you this weekend. Yes, sir. Okay, we'll talk to you on Monday. Okay, coming up, when we come back, we'll hear the interview with myself and TaylorMade's Mike Fox. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up hour one here on GTC. Simple question for you listening. Do you want to hit the golf ball longer in 2024? Enter the TaylorMade TP5 and 5X. Let's hear my interview with TaylorMade's Mike Fox all about the new golf ball. Super exciting golf ball story from TaylorMade in 2024. For much more, now joining us, good friend of the show, Mike Fox. Mike, welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Oh, it's fantastic being back, Scully. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So we'll get into the complete golf ball story in 2024 because it is a spicy one to say the least. But just generally overall, how much detail goes into the making of any tailor-made golf ball? Um, details uh, is a perfect word. I mean, the, the lead time on developing golf balls is upwards of six or seven years when you start talking about dimple patterns. I mean, it is as long lead time as anything we do. But then when you take into material creation, I mean, it's pushing 10 years. Um, you just think about creating a raw material like speed wrap core, which is a core additive for us. I mean, that's something we've been working on with our chemists and our advanced research team and our material suppliers, because you have to basically create new chemical properties that haven't been used before in golf, develop them, make sure you can manufacture them, test them, and then building them into an industrialization phase takes forever. But in addition to that, flight testing with new dimple patterns is just as complicated. Um, trying to create new dimple patterns takes years and years. And then once you eventually create it, you have to then create 5,000 tools. And I know you had the pleasure of being in our, our factory down there. We have thousands of tools that have our, our the design of our dimple pattern in it that we ship all over the world to all of our tailor-made facilities. And it takes years to develop a dimple pattern. And it takes almost a year just to create all the metal tools that we inject the urethane into and then press the cavities together to make those golf balls. So those are just two components. And we haven't even gotten to the five layers that exist within the golf ball yet. And all the feedback goes back and forth with our tour players and our testing groups. Um, the details are a lot. I mean, we're testing hundreds of thousands of shots um, in the creation of a golf ball, um, indoors, outdoors, and what we have the most advanced testing facility and driving range in the world. It is details is is a good is a good way of putting it because there is an infinite amount of them. Yeah, you mentioned the the golf ball plant in, in South Carolina, and that was such a cool experience. And I know our viewers and listeners are really going to enjoy the ball tour that we are giving them on this show. Now, obviously, TaylorMade TP5, TP5X, that was a great success story for years mm -hmm. on all levels of professional golf. And the golf ball this year, it's just gotten better in so yeah. many ways. Tell us about the technologies behind the new TaylorMade TP5 and 5X. Yeah, so the first thing on the TP5 and 5X we want everyone to know is this, this ball's long. I mean, this, this thing goes forever, and I know you got to experience that firsthand as well. 
that's really what we stood for for a long time is uncompromised distance, but still incredible greenside spin. That's what five layers allows us to do. And these new golf balls do that more than it ever has before. And that's why all the golfers are, are we're seeing starting to switch into it on the tour player perspective. And there's been so much buzz built out in the marketplace waiting for it to come out. So if you're someone that likes hitting it far, it's definitely a golf ball to take a look at. Um, so that's really the, the, the first piece is we wanted to make, you know, kind of get that championship belt back is having that, that longest product out there. And from a technology standpoint, we didn't want to do that by sacrificing feel. We know that feel is as important to golfers as anything. And we've had longer products before that we hadn't launched because the feel just wasn't a level where the golfer was worth um, picking up that extra distance for. And that material that I talked about before, which are speed wrap core, allowed us to control the sound of the new TP5 and 5X to create faster constructions and longer golf balls, but at lower audible hertz, so better feel than we've had before. So again, longer, faster product, but at softer feels than we've had in the past for both the TP5 and 5X. And again, that's that, I know it sounds simple, but we've never truly fully decoupled distance and speed worth as feel and, and sound. And we've always kind of done little things like, oh, maybe we like a little thicker cover. We can maybe make it sound a little softer, feel a little softer. And that does a little bit, but doesn't truly decouple the two. This new speed wrap core, this new core additive truly allows us to control sound like we've never had before to give you that better feel and that softer feel, but at those faster speeds. So it doesn't negatively hurt it. Um, and that's really what's special about these new products is all that distance I talked about is there, but it's now at a softer feel than we've ever had before. Yeah, so you mentioned speed wrap, and many might, you know, think of P790 and speed yeah. foam, and those yeah. two can be comparable, correct? Yeah, it's a fantastic comparison. Um, both speed wrap on our new golf ball and speed foam with P790 are additives, or additives actually to the inside of the golf ball, and they're there to control the sound of the products. On P790, speed foam is injected into the iron to allow us to make thinner faces, and faster constructions and longer irons. Same thing on speed wrap. Speed wrap is a core additive that allows us to control the sounds of that golf ball to make faster constructions and longer golf balls. Both speed wrap and speed foam are internal um, sound control mechanisms to allow us to make faster construction than we've ever made before and then overall longer products. But again, as everyone out knows here, if we gave you the worst sounding iron that went forever and the worst sounding golf ball that went forever, no one would play it, and we know that. Um, we've tried. We've tested it. So having these golf balls and irons that we can control the sound and have it feel the way everyone wants it to feel, but now it's faster and longer than it's been before, is it, truly an incredible separator for us. So you mentioned the golf ball is longer, and many watching, listening to this might think, how much longer? And I know some yeah. of your pros have yeah. gone out and actually done testing, including one yeah. Ricky Fowler who did the TP5 yeah. 5X uh, 5 by 5 challenge. What do you tell our audience yeah. a little about that? The most common thing we continue to get, and, and we got from Roy McIlroy two weeks ago, um, is we're a half a club to a club longer um, than they've been before. And again, I mean, just think about how much that is. That's game changing, right? If you can hit a nine iron and seven, eight iron or seven iron and seven, six iron, that's going to help you play better. Um, I mean, Roy McIlroy put the golf ball in play for the, I mean, he had never played a full round with it. Um, we've tested them with it, but he never played a full round with it until uh, the first event in Dubai where he shot nine under with it. I mean, that's incredible to be able to be a half a club to a club longer and do all the calculations that he has to go through and shoot nine under. Um, Ricky Fowler was the same way. He was almost a full club longer than he'd been. 
what's really cool about the new five and five X is the way we're getting to this distance. Isn't something that's going to be, well, yeah, it might be a half a club to a club for Rory, but it's going to be two yards for me. The way we're getting you a lot of that distance is a combination of speed, spin, and optimized dimple patterns with the new TP5X. And with spin and the dimple particularly, that's something that's going to help all golfers. With this 5x5 five five that you're referencing, is hey, hit five shots with our ball, five shots with the ball you're playing, and we'll show you a half a club for the most part. And we're seeing that consistently with pretty much all the golfers out there, which has been a really special product. With golf balls particularly, when we say we can have a product that's measurably and noticeably better, meaning that, heck, it's not just me getting data from all of our engineers saying, look, we, we could measure it, it's better. But actually, you going out there testing it and knowing and noticing the difference it is really special, particularly for a golf ball. And I did the exact same test uh, back a couple of months ago. And with a six iron, like these guys have been to, I was half a club further, about five to six yards more of carry with my six iron to the previous model of the TP5 5X, which was uh, certainly uh, mind blowing to see. Now, those watching, those listening are loving everything they're hearing, but they're wondering which ball is for me. How do they decide whether they go 5X or 5? It's the biggest question we get is, what ball's for me? And even when we ask golfers, hey, why are you playing your existing golf ball? Most of them have no idea. Oh, it's the one I've always played or, you know, someone gave it to me. I mean, if you're if you're an average player, um, and again, I don't mean that negatively. You know, I think we're both average players. But um, if you're in that mid-high handicapper, depending how you play, it's really what you're looking for mostly out of your golf ball. And typically you get two primary benefits. You get distance and you get feel, or you get distance and you get spin around the green or control. And if you're looking for maximizing your distance and the golf ball that goes for as far as possible, TP5X is your ball. Um, that's what it's designed to do is be the longest product out there without sacrifices around the green. But if you're someone that cares more about control around the green, spin around the green, soft feel, not that TP5X doesn't have great spin around the green or great feel, but it's just not the primary benefit of that product. So if you're someone that's primary benefits is spin, control, feel, then TP5 is your product. So that's the, kind of the, the easy preference-based decision. The slightly more advanced fitting is spin-based. If you're someone that's looking to lower their spin on their driver and long irons, then you should be looking at TP5X. If you're someone that's looking to maximize your spin, um, or it needs more spin with your driver and long irons or more spin around the green than TP5 TP5 is your ball. And that's really how we fit a lot of tour players is mostly spin based is the TP5 X in general is lower spin with the driver, lower spin with the irons and lower spin with the wedges. Still very high compared to all the other competitive products out there, just lower spin when you compare it to TP5 and then TP5 will be higher spin with the drivers, still low driver spin, but low compared, sorry, higher compared to TP5 X higher with the irons and then definitely higher with the wedges. That's a lot of great information there. And I know people listening will definitely take all this into account when they decide which golf ball is for them. So there's a lot of great technology stories in 2024, just in regards to the golf ball itself. But let's just say this year, some golf balls might be looking a little different. <laughs> and that's where visual tech comes in. We'll get to the, yeah. the new ball a little later, which is not released yet. So we won't talk about that yep. just yet, but yeah. First, visual tech yeah. players on tour. Uh, we learned a couple of things back in South Carolina about how you don't need a number on a golf ball. You could use a yeah. logo instead. Why don't you take us through the whole yeah. logo and, and visual yeah. tech story with balls in 2024? 
I mean, heck, we used to joke all the time, right? Golf balls are all, all white round and sit on the ground. That, that ain't a thing anymore. Um, for us, if you can visually represent yourself with your more personally identify with your product without sacrificing performance, why wouldn't you? And that's honestly the tact all of our athletes are taking. Um, obviously, the first big one is guys like Tommy Fleetwood and Ricky Fowler playing picks golf balls. And we have a new picks design that's easier to see and easier to align. But Tommy Fleetwood won with picks. Uh, just two weeks ago um, out in the Dubai event, which was, again, incredible. It's his second win with our PIX product. But then all of our other athletes where PIX just might be a little bit too much for. Hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a great putter or I, I'm not necessarily need all that help. What else can I have? And what we're seeing with all of our other athletes is this my symbol that we're referring to. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I actually didn't realize you don't need a number on your golf ball either. I just thought that was an important thing that the USGA required. And we checked with the USGA and they're like, no, no, no we just need a brand stamp and a side stamp. And we're like, okay, great. Um, so it opened up this kind of world of personal identification that honestly never existed before. Um, everyone had looked at numbers. And if you're really special, maybe you did two numbers, like 99. And I think that's Gretzky behind you. Um, and that was really special. But why stop there? You know, why not go four numbers, right? You're, you're, you're your birthday or your kids or whatever it might be, or alphanumeric. You know, you can go uh, Adam on there, or you can do A money with an A dollar sign. You have some fun with it. Um, but then take it a step further. Why not start throwing logos on there? The lo logo of your golf club, the logo of your favorite sports team, the logo of something you associate yourself with, you know, whether it's, uh, you, know, you look like a butterfly guy at no you know, beer or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, just have some fun. And my favorite is the first time Colin Morikawa used, um, we made a little caricature of his dog, Koa. And, you know, everyone's on the first tee. What are you using? Oh, I got a number one, Tylus. I got a number three, Callaway. Yeah, I got a, I got my dog. And everyone's like, hugging me. He's like, yeah, I got, I got my dog. He's right there. They're like, can you do that? He's like, yeah, you can do it. Like, great. He's like, why wouldn't you then? Um, I mean, we're able to provide custom product as easy as we can stock product. We've built the most modern infrastructure in the world around it, and it's going to completely flip the game, whether it's Rory using Roars now in that space or Ricky using the Motocross logo or Nelly using the cool Lion logo with their initials built into it because John Daly was her favorite player forever. I mean, these are all incredible stories that golfers now get to tell. Just We all like being a little different. I'm sure for any of the listeners out there, how many of you have custom head covers out there? That market is huge. I, I rarely see core golfers that don't have a different putter or driver or fairway cover. And now being able to do that with your golf ball and being able to change it whenever you want for just a couple bucks more is is has been so much fun for us. Looking forward to putting that golf ball into play. Okay, hour two. That's coming up next here on GTC. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. 
For over 18 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside GTC. Hour two, the back nine here on the show. Adam Scully here in studio. Coming up in hour two, we're going to hear from Tony Finau, the overwhelming pre-tournament betting favorite at the Mexico Open at Vidanta. We'll chat with Michael the Hound Dog Harrison all about betting for this week's wide open field. But first, now joining us on the line, good friend of the show, Kristen Murphy. Murphy, what is happening on this Wednesday? It's a beautiful one out there. has me thinking about swinging the sticks in the not-so-distant future. Well, if I saw something correctly on the Instagrams last night, you were swinging sticks last night. Why don't you tell our viewers or, I guess, listeners here about that? I was. I was. I was doing some coaching with Iron Lady Golf, and uh, I was down at one of the great simulators on King West. Shout out to the Sand Trap. It's an awesome facility and kind of has almost a nightclub kind of vibe mixed with uh, some golfing and simulator action happening. So yeah, from what I could tell, you had a lot of new golfers out there swinging the sticks, getting dialed for the spring. And then I was doing a little coaching with a couple of ladies. We were working on some short game drills and then uh, hit a little bit of a range session in the end. So it was a great night for Tuesday. Would you call yourself a drill sergeant, Murph? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm I'm pretty laid back, but you know, I I uh I insert myself and uh lay down the law when I have to, put it that way. Okay. I am looking forward <laughs> to seeing this in action at some point because my short game could probably use some work. Uh okay, so we're here. We're, we'll look at to the Mexico Open in just a little bit, but let's look back cuz last week Hideki Matsuyama got it done at the Genesis Invitational, mm-hmm. that scintillating Sunday 62 to get it done. And it's been a bit of a weird stretch for Hideki, hasn't it, given the injuries he's been through, hasn't won since 2022. But how impressed were you overall by what Matsuyama had in store this past Sunday? I was so impressed. And, you know, a lot of the storylines coming into Sunday was Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay playing in the final group, you know, it gets mentioned once or twice that the two are good pals, you know, in each other's weddings, that kind of thing, Ryder Cup teammates, all of that. And it sort of seemed like neither of those two showed up. And when you have guys stuck in neutral on a track like Riviera and someone like Hideki is on a heater, like he had birdies in barrages on Sunday, three separate instances of three birdies in a row. His scorecard was just a thing of beauty. And it all adds up to a 62 in the end, the lowest closing round by a winner at the Genesis Invitational. And he rallies from six shots back and wins by three. But some of those shots those irons down the stretch i think of the approach at 15 to 8 inches tee shot at 16 to 6 inches it was elite ball striking and it's not often you see the winner come from not just not only the not in the final group but not in the penultimate group a few groups back and then so you had this moment where his caddy was able to take in the moment he was overlooking 18 at riviera watching who you thought was going to be the winner coming in, but they had already iced it. So in a way, anticlimactic, because we've seen so many close finishes this season on the PGA Tour, you know, tournaments going to playoffs. So this one had a bit of a different feel, but when you come out and shoot a 62, that's just the guy going out and grabbing it, as opposed to the leaders faltering down the stretch. That's how I looked at it. 
you know, the 2021 Masters champ hadn't won since the 2022 Sony Open. And you mentioned those iron shots on 15, the tee shot into the par three on 16. What, I, what I've always found amazing about Hideki Matsuyama is sometimes he hits these shots where it, it's like he hates them. Like his body language <laughs> is just like, like there's yeah. one hand off the club. He's shaking his head. And those two shots were what, two feet combined? That was crazy. I know. I love that. He has such a, he has a, such a different style about him. Like you said, that is the typical body language of someone who absolutely hates the shot. But when it comes to Hideki, that usually means it's all over the flagstick. Maybe it's something we should start working on uh, when you're coaching, <laughs> when I'm hitting, just sure, uh, why not? hand off the club. Yeah, that sort of thing. But another <laughs> obviously huge storyline heading into the Genesis Invitational was the 2024 PGA Tour season debut of one Tiger Woods, and that lasted about 24 holes and one tee shot. When mm. you initially saw Tiger in a golf cart, what were your <laughs> emotions and reactions like? Well, so my, my brother was actually at the tournament on the Friday. And so before I saw anything on Twitter, he just sent me this photo of Tiger in a golf cart. And, and all it said was, he's done. And naturally, given Tiger's physical history, you think, okay, he's tweaked something in the back. There's something wrong with the ankle, the foot. Um, ultimately, it was illness that was cited in this case. Not something anyone would have seen coming. Um, so it was kind of a bizarre the whole week was sort of bizarre because it was obviously whenever Tiger tees it, the focus is on him. There was added attention because he was debuting and donning his new apparel line, Sunday Red, three words, three words. And um, it just wasn't the week that we thought it was going to be. But ultimately, whether he plays the weekend or not, Tiger is always the story throughout when he's been in the mix at any given point. But when it comes to his actual play on the golf course, I watched every shot he hit on Thursday. And I think what we saw Thursday was kind of a, a good example of what I expect to see him whenever he plays, where it's just the consistency isn't there. There are flashes of brilliance. But then it's it's birdie, bogey, bogey, birdie. It's very up and down. And so given the caliber of competition on the PGA Tour and how many guys are playing so many tournaments and how few tournaments Tiger is playing in, I just think it's going to be really hard for him going forward to win. And I hate to say it, Adam. I hate to say it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can, I can hear it in your voice. You hate to, <laughs> you hate to say that. You hate to see that. But That's for Tiger, weird. one thing, yeah, I've noticed too, just in this latest iteration of comeback, call it since the car accident, is the putting, is the chipping. He's lost shots to the field. Heading into last week, it was five of the six tournaments he had played. He had lost shots to the field in strokes gained around the greens. Where back in his heyday, in his prime. He, you know, those were automatic up and mm -hmm. downs. Um, you mentioned you saw every single shot he hit on Thursday. When you saw Tiger lining up for a second shot on the 18th hole on Thursday <laughs> after hitting a good shot in the fairway, and then what happened after with the famous <laughs> sha 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 shank? What were your reactions? Well, Adam, let's be clear. He presented Hazel first. Okay, so I mean, I just love that phrase so much. Um, you know, I was shocked. I was. And I mean, you and I both watch enough golf. We play enough golf. Everyone I've ever played with, I've seen a shank from. I've done it many times myself. Adam, I don't know. Maybe you haven't. But I, I most have. of us oh, humans have. have. Um, but I, I couldn't recall seeing it from Tiger. And in that moment, too, where, you know, he had a pretty good round going, just hovering around even par sort of thing. And 
I just thought, okay, let's just get in the clubhouse and be around even. And yeah, the hustle rocket. Of course, he goes on to make a great recovery shot. Still bogeys the hole, but uh, it was jarring to see. And I think I might have let out a yelp in the newsroom, which is, um, yeah, it was it was hard to sort of keep things under wrap because I I was shocked. Well, it's it's mind boggling for any professional golfer, whether you're Tiger Woods or you're whoever, to hit a shank because. They do happen to play this game for a living. I've seen a number of videos, Joel Damon, Sahith Degala, where they can hit shanks on purpose. And to me, Murph, that is a talent in itself and a terrifying one because shanks, as we know, are just the most terrifying thing ever because the shot yeah. after a shank is oh. is um, is scary, right? Exactly. You think you, there's a decent chance in your mind in that moment that you may never make good contact again. Yeah, it's puzzling, but yeah, hopefully we see Tiger at the Players' Championship. Hopefully this was just an illness. I mean, he looked, I don't know about you, but he he looked jacked. He looked jacked back at the Hero he World did. Challenge. He sort of has to, yeah. the upper body has to be swollen and controlled given he can't push off that right side. What did you think of the Sunday Red? Uh, you know what? When I first saw sort of like the leaked images coming out, just a couple of shirts and the logo, uh, I didn't love it. I'll be honest, I, I didn't love it. I thought the tiger looked kind of like a skeleton, and I don't know. But then when I actually saw him wearing it, and you alluded to his physical fitness, the man can wear a shirt. He can wear a cashmere sweater. He can pull off a lot of different looks. But I really liked the simplicity of what he ended up choosing to wear on Thursday, just the simple logo. I thought the pants looked sharp. Um, I thought it looked great. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what the rest of the line looks like when they expand to women's and kids and things like that. Um, but I will say already it has grown on me and I thought it was pretty cool that they paid homage to his 1992 Riv debut with a striped look on, on the Friday. But that was a nice touch. Just going to say that. I thought that was so cool. I thought it was Very something cool. totally different. We'd never seen anything mm -hmm. like that before. Maybe just one advice or tip to Tiger. I don't think light beige and white <laughs> go together. That's just right. me saying that. I wouldn't call myself a fashionista per se, or maybe I would, but I don't know, Murph. That, uh, with the black shirt under, that wasn't great. I don't know. Okay, so not not your favorite, but I mean, we've seen worse out there, and I hate to throw the guy that ended up winning under the bus, but Hideki oh. loves himself a bright yellow, doesn't he? Oh, bright yellow. <laughs> He's got the stripes on the shoes. Yeah, not so good there's, there's a lot going on with Hideki. But yeah. Someone who does have good style, I must say. <laughs> By the way, we're in conversation with Kristen Murphy talking all things golf. Uh, someone who does have great style, of course, is one Nick Taylor, the Canadian mm -hmm. who won on the PGA Tour at the WM Phoenix Open. Murph, were you doing this highlight pack for SportsCenter? I was, and I have to say, Adam, I was in one a little bit because I was working from home. It was oh. Super Bowl Sunday, Oof. which okay. means at TSN in the newsroom, that's a packed, busy, busy day. As busy of a day, probably outside of Grey Cup Sunday, that you can have. So if there's an opportunity for people to work from home, they do. And that was my situation. But I kind of felt like I was on a bit of an island. My family was in a different room watching football. I'm watching Nick Taylor and I'm on edge. You know, I'm a professional going about my work, but I'm also very much invested in Canadian golfers getting it done on the PGA Tour. And, and then I saw James Duffy tweet from the stadium in Vegas that for a second straight year, he was not only dialed into the football game, but he also had his eyes on Nick Taylor trying to get it done. Of course, last season, Scotty Scheffler pulled it out. And 
But this year we saw Nick Taylor get it done. And I thought, okay, James is kind of in a similar boat to me in terms of we are, we are torn in different directions right now, but ultimately golf feels like it's the most important. And the way in which Taylor found himself in the playoff to begin with, it was high drama. And then the way he's rolling in these putts. And you think at some point, maybe one of these, it has to miss or burn an edge or something, but just, some of the best putting I've seen, Mark was talking about it earlier. He mentioned um, Nick Taylor's putting on that Sunday and then also Wyndham Clark's putting at Pebble to get the job done there and make history. And, yeah, two of the greatest putting performances I can remember in a long time. So we know how we feel emotionally when we see Nick Taylor roll in a putt to win. It just gives me all of those positive energy and vibes that we saw at the Canadian Open. And he has one of the most elite celebrations i have to say the sort of nonchalant putter toss i just it's it's very stylish i'm a big fan and it it makes me feel all the things yeah it's totally totally i i love that you mentioned the putter toss i love to he's got this quiet confidence to him you don't see that much in terms of emotion from nick taylor good or bad i love the fact that he walked in that putt on the first playoff hole putt was about a foot and a half out and he was already on stride number three towards the hole but for nick taylor it was just a remarkable remarkable moment and i'm glad you were watching it and seeing every one of his shots so obviously last year we're coming off arguably the best year of golf we've seen from Canadians on the PGA Tour. We already have a win this year on the PGA Tour, PGA Tour champions as well. So I'll put you on the spot, Murph. Who is the next Canadian to win on the PGA Tour? Okay, I'm going to go with Mackenzie Hughes. And I think that we could even see this as early as this week. There's five Canadians in the Mexico Open. And it was last week, Mackenzie He made a splash with his comments at the Genesis about the current state of the golf landscape, the negative impact he felt, you know, the quest for more money has had such an impact on how the fans look at the sport and how he's just not a big fan of that. So kudos to him, first of all, for having an opinion and being brave enough to say it, because I'm sure there are many that don't agree. But I think this week we could see him do the talking with the golf clubs. He's one of just eight people in the field that played last week at the Genesis. And he's had a couple solid finishes. He finished tied for 31st last week, but don't forget he was tied for second place mid through at Riviera. So he's playing some decent golf. And I think he would love nothing more. And we would love nothing more than to see him be in contention this week on Sunday. That would be awesome to see Mackenzie Hughes. Taylor Pendrith also has played well this year, two top tens in three starts. Now, before we let you go, Murph, have to talk about the greatest ever Canadian professional golfer ever, period. That's Brooke Henderson, and she is back (laughs) this week on the LPGA Tour, the Honda LPGA Thailand. She has two good finishes so far this season. Mm -hmm. What are your overall expectations for one Brooke Henderson this week? Right, so you mentioned it. The season is young, uh, but Brooke has two top 20 finishes, and her latest was a solo third at the Tournament of Champions. Looking at her performances at the Honda the last couple years, she finished T44 last year, and the year before that, she tied for fourth. So a little bit of inconsistent results there, but I think for Brooke, the focus this week will be continuing to get comfortable with the new equipment that she added in the offseason And, you know, we know with her talent level, considering her track record, 13-time LPGA Tour winner, every time Brooke tees it up, she has a chance to win given her talent. Often 
week to week on both the LPGA and the PGA tours, we see things turn into a bit of a putting contest. So I'll be looking at the putter to see how she's rolling the rock, but if she can consistently make good putts and find fairways, I wouldn't be surprised if she was on the first page of the leaderboard come Sunday. And then looking a little bit ahead, sort of another mini goal for Brooke, I think it'll be sort of tracking to just steadily improve as we move towards the first major of the season, which is at the Chevron in April. She wants to peak at the right time. And, of course, she's a member of Team TaylorMade. I know you've got an exciting venture going on on Monday. We'll just leave it at that because we're going to have a full recap of what you're doing on Monday coming up on an upcoming (laughs) edition of GTC. Murph, thanks for your time today. If you do good out and swing clubs outside, Mm -hmm. maybe do it in the sun. Maybe no shorts. Maybe a pair of pantaloons on. What do you think? I think that's probably the way to go. You can't be short sky this early in the season. That is just not my style. That would be a bold move. Murph, thanks for your time. (laughs) All right. Take care, Adam. Okay, that's a good friend of the show, Kristen Murphy. When we come back here on GTC, we're going to hear from Tony Finau. He is the favorite this week in Mexico looking to defend his title. This is GTC. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 18 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. To learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community, Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside GTC. Adam Scully here in studio. This week on the PGA Tour, it's the Mexico Open at Vidanta, where Tony Finau is defending his title. He spoke to the media on Tuesday. Here are some thoughts from Tony Finau heading into this week. It's awesome. We love this place. I said it last year after we left. Our families really fall in love with this place, and... Um, to be back defending this year is pretty special. So we're really happy to be back. I'm really happy to be back on a golf course that I love and um, just everything about this place, the people, the food. Um, Vedanta is a pretty magical spot. And last year, um, to be able to just win the golf tournament with my family here was extremely special. So it's nice to be back and um, looking to defend this year as well. And Tony Finau looking to defend this year, coming off a, a later stretch in 2023 where he didn't have his best stuff. And he was asked the question Tuesday, is he ready for this week to defend his title? Let's hear from Finau again. Yeah, I feel prepared. Um, I've done some good work in the offseason with my body just to be strong. And, you know, this golf course has um, yielded some birdies. And I can really, really swing the driver uh, with some freedom out here as there's a few holes that are pretty lenient as far as hitting area. So I love that, being able to hit it hard and, um, and play this type of golf course. So I do feel like I'm um, primed to go on a run um, starting this week. 
Tony Finau, confident heading into this week where he is the betting favorite on FanDuel right now. His odds are actually plus 900. They were plus 750 a little earlier this week. So the big question, are those odds actually bettable or should you wait a little later in the tournament if the odds have shifted? When we come back here on GTC, we'll chat with Michael the Hound Dog Harrison about all that and much more. This is GTC. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac and the all-electric vehicles that get you in the game. From Lyric to the first ever Escalade IQ, there will be a Cadillac EV icon for you. You ain't nothing but a hound Yay, listeners of TSN 1050, TSN Radio Network, you know what that means. He is often a guest on the Yes Guy show, the Jim Taddy special. Not sure if Jim Taddy is going to have some firm words with me after I stole his idea about playing that song. Heading into the segment, he is our good friend of the show. He is Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hound Dog, what's going on? Hey, Adam, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I uh, just uh, so thrilled that you serenaded me with that. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see what uh, Jim says and... And uh, last time I was on the show last Friday, um, determined that I was the best friend of the show. So that was going to be my question for you, Adam. Am I Canada? And if so, uh, if not, Ooh, uh, we'll have to wait. Yeah. We'll, ha- we'll have to uh, we'll have to talk about that uh, in post production. But Michael, uh, you're making your 2024 debut here on GTC. So is it okay if I say to you? Happy New Year! Uh, you absolutely cannot say a Happy New Year to me. Nice, nice try there, Adam, to get me all riled up. Uh, like Larry David says, you can't say it after like a, a week into the New Year. I always find it funny. I still, I still do hear that. Actually, uh, people sometimes will say that, and it's like, come on, it's in the, in the, almost in a March already, which is crazy, by the way. Getting closer, well, hopefully, getting closer to golf season. But uh, I do, I uh, do worry that uh, winter will linger a little bit here, and the golf courses won't open. Uh, just, you know, but winter will, will essentially be pushed back a little bit. But uh, to answer your question, absolutely not. Cannot say Happy New Year anymore. Sorry. Of course, that's a bit from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Final season currently airing on Crave as we speak. Okay, Michael, since it's your first time on GTC of the year, the biggest or one of the biggest storylines on the PGA Tour is the long shot, unlikely winners thus far on the PGA Tour. Just in your mind, how wild have the first few weeks in the PGA Tour been? It's absolutely crazy. Like, just to think all these random, like, uh, you know, I talked to some, uh, uh, I would say, golf casual fans, and they're like, who are all these guys? Like, this isn't good for golf, uh, all these random names winning. I kind of like seeing uh, players, like, for example, Mathieu Pavon trying to win the Farmers Insurance Open, you know, never really sniffed a, a PGA Tour leaderboard before. It's kind of fun to see. Obviously, I'm a golf diehard, so that's different. But, I would, yeah, I wouldn't mind, like, maybe some uh, quote-unquote real winners and then uh, mixed in with a couple of guys who sort of, are uh, you know uh, off the beaten path a little bit, but certainly the first month of uh, month and a half of the season, almost all, everyone was just like, 
you know, what? Who are these guys? So it's a, and from a golf betting perspective, however, it's amazing. You know, I always talk about how don't bet on, uh, you know, triple-digit golfers, you know, plus 600 or something to win because, they're, sure, they might win, but you're basically throwing away money because how difficult it is to win golf tournaments. All of these guys have been 100 to 1 or longer. I think Matsuyama was just a little bit below that. But um, it's nuts. Like Nick Taylor, as you know, was like, what was he, like 170 to, 170 to, to 1 to win. So it's, uh, from a golf betting perspective, it's fantastic. It's it's wild to say the least. It it is a total crapshoot to put it bluntly. But for you, of all the winners so far this season, we've seen guys, you know, with three hundred to one odds, four hundred to one odds. Who's been the biggest surprise in your mind? Well, obviously, uh, you know, the amateur Nick Dunlap won in the American Express certainly was a shocker. You know, no amateur won on the PGA Tour since Phil in 90, 1991. But uh, you know, especially because he was in the final group with Justin Thomas and Sam Burns, right? You think. Okay, like the final round, he's going to come back to under earth. You know, the real players will, will, will step up and win here. And then for him to win was just absolutely stunning. But even before that, the week before, it's not going to be as, as, um, as known as much because it was uh, the Sony Open in, in Hawaii. A lot of people at that point, you know, watching football and such. But uh, Grayson Murray winning, like he'd won maybe six or seven years ago and then had to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour. Out of absolutely nowhere, he wins that playoff with a, with a long putt. So certainly him as well. And then, uh, as I already mentioned, Matthew Pavon was just uh, shocking. Just because, like, around him in that leaderboard were, like, other European players, like, you know, Steven Jagger and, and uh, Hoygaard and um, Thomas Dietrich. You'd think, okay, of, of all these, you know, four or five Europeans, Pavon was, like, the least likely to win. Of course, then he <laughs> is an amazing, uh, it's an amazing coach and put on 18 to win the tournament. Uh, that was just stunning because he was leaking oil big time with the, uh, the three-putt on 17 and then sort of chopping around on 18. So in terms of the final hole, I would say Pavola. But in terms of bigger picture, it has to be the amateur Nick Dunlap. Yeah, crazy to see Nick Dunlap and Pavon win. Now Dunlap, of course, had to turn professional. He didn't have to turn, but it was the right thing to turn professional uh, in a financial uh, matter. We're in conversation here with Michael the Hound Dog Harrison talking all things golf. We'll get to the Mexico Open at Vidanta a little later in our segment here. But Hound Dog, for you, how have you done personally so far? We're, what, seven weeks into the PGA Tour season. How have you done from a betting perspective? Well, the first, like I said, the first few weeks, uh, not so good with uh, Chris Kirk, Murray, and Dunlap. And then Pavon had pretty much everyone else throughout that final round other than, okay, this guy's not going to win. And then I was like, come on. And, of course, the Wyndham Clark winning at Pebble was frustrating only because I usually will be watching those Saturday rounds live. So if someone was making a run like he did with that third round 60, which turned out to be the final round, uh, normally I'd be, you know, be able to throw in an in-play bet on him when he's doing well for the first five, six holes or something. But I taped, uh, I put on the PVR to watch it later. So I saw his round of 60. I was like, oh, I missed out on that one. So then uh, not so good until the last two weeks. Then I had, uh, uh, I think I did like going into Saturday, Charlie Hoffman to win the Phoenix just because he's such a fun character. And of course, I already had uh, Nick Taylor to, to win that tournament because he was second the year before. The odds were like, like you said, 170 to one, which was crazy for a guy so close to the year before there. And so I cashed out on Hoffman, and then, of course, Nick Taylor won as well. So I basically double-dipped uh, money on that one. And then the Matsuyama one was my, one of my favorite ones ever because I bet on, uh, on him on two different betting books. I'd forgotten I, I did on the other betting book. 
And uh, nice to see some extra money in the bank in the betting account. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I did bet on both. So used to usually just picking one, right? So that's so rare that that ever happens. Though I always say to people about golf betting, like it's incredibly hard to win if, if you're picking uh, outright winners. Anyway, it's incredibly hard to win. To win. I was talking to some people this last week who had like Will Zalatoris and you know Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, and they all crumbled on Sunday. So. To actually pick a guy to win, especially from the start of the tournament, I've been very much trying to limit uh, betting on guys before the event because 95% of the time they have no chance to win come Sunday. Yeah, such a good point, and and we'll get to this week in particular and your thoughts on this week. But you mentioned it a couple times, Nick Taylor, and yes, his odds were a big long shot, 170 to 1. But odds aside, just how impressive was that victory overall for Nick Taylor? Yeah, like I said, unfortunately, it came at the expense of Charlie Hoffman, which I, I was torn. Of course, I wanted Nick Taylor to win, of course, Canadian. But I'd like it's uh, Charlie Hoffman, 47 years old, likely his last chance to win, uh, realistically. So it was kind of tough to see. But it, yeah, it wasn't like Hoffman was you know choked down the stretch. He was great, and then just Nick Taylor went crazy the last uh, five six holes there with all the birdies. So it's well, it's so fascinating to me with Taylor that I love just uh, you know just as a golf fan is the fact that when he gets in contention. There's some guys that get in contention and they're scared of the moment. Nick Taylor absolutely is not that at all. He makes putts like crazy come down, uh, coming down the stretch. He's fantastic with that. And also, um, and, uh, for, just from a betting perspective, the reason I like picking Nick Taylor sometimes is because he either wins seemingly or, or he'll either win or seemingly be like 30th or worse. Like very rare. He's not the most consistent player, I guess is what I'm saying. So where he's racking up all these top fives and top tens, so then his odds are really, really bad for the better. Usually, like like it was at Phoenix, 170 to one. So uh, from betting perspective, it's fun to bet on Nick Taylor because his odds are always, you know, pretty long. But uh, remarkable. So like one of the more clutch players the last few years in the PGA Tour when it comes down to the, to the last uh, you know few holes, which is uh, so fun to see. Yeah, certainly it's so much fun to see and so clutch by Nick Taylor when he had to make birdies, when he was three shots down with a couple holes to go to birdie five of the last six, including the 18th hole three consecutive times, including the playoff. That was awesome. So we already have a winner this season for Team Canada on the PGA Tour. Michael, my question to you is, who is the next Canadian to get it done and lift a trophy on the PGA Tour? Well, we were, we were, you mentioned we're going to be talking about this Mexico Open of Vedanta here, and I have a pick for this week. I don't necessarily absolutely love the odds for Taylor Pettis at 25-1, to 1, but given how well he's been playing, kind of quietly because he hasn't been playing a ton this year, I think I believe he has five top 15s in the last seven starts. So Taylor Pettis is, is this week with a, being a, the field is, let's be honest, uh, as you've mentioned, alluded to in the show, uh, you can get some long shots to win on this one. It's not so great. Uh, uh, Pettis is what, what I'm thinking this week. But if not that, like uh, it seems to me, like Adam Hadwin has been so close here recently. Uh, you know, uh, in the fall, I believe he had a runner-up, and then was sixth, and then was fourth at the, you know, at the Genesis. Like that U.S. Open a couple of years ago, we had the top. I believe he was top ten. I know he was a first-round yep. leader. Yep. Hadwin. Uh, it seems like that was sort of the moment where obviously he'd been a very solid pro before when he had Valspar years before that. But it seems like he's really coming to his own here in, in the sweet spot in his mid-thirties. If not for this week uh, with uh, with Pendrith, although that wouldn't that cancels out the whole long shot theory with Pendrith because he's uh, one of the favorites. Uh, I think Adam Hadwin is primed uh, to get that second uh, that elusive second win. It's it's been a while for him. 
Yeah, and sometimes they say getting the second win can be tougher than getting that first win. Expectations changing. Taylor Pendrith looking for that first win. And, Michael, I'm going to tell you this. This isn't out on social media yet, but I'm also on Taylor Pendrith this week. So yes, let's so do this. That mean let's do this. We're definitely losing money then. Yes, he will. Yes, hopefully not. <laughs> um, another big story, obviously, in uh, the world of golf was uh, Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods got 24 holes in, one tee shot at the Genesis Invitational, and then had the illness. Not from a betting perspective, just overall. Just what did you see from Tiger? Were you, just from a golfing perspective, were you impressed? Were you disappointed? What were your overall thoughts on Tiger at the Genesis? I thought, honestly, that first round was like pretty darn good. Like He made quite a few iron shots that were great, of course, obviously, other than the, the aforementioned discussion that you had with Murph about uh, his shank on 18. Other than that, like I thought he played relatively well, and of course the short game is always going to be the last thing that comes. You know, the sharpness of the short game, the putts, the the chips, and such like that are always going to take. You know, it's going to be the longest for that to to return when you're when you're not playing competitively very much, uh, especially at a course that he's never won on. I think well, it's the most he's ever played on a on a track and not won the PGA Tour. So it's not like this is a course like Torrey Pines or Bay Hill where he just dominated his whole career. Uh, so even outside of the fact that he hadn't played in so long in, a, in, a, in an official event, you know, I thought he played relatively well. Of course, yeah, as soon as you see the golf cart uh, going off, it's so disappointing. And I've mentioned this to you before about Tiger. I honestly think the sweet spot for him to actually potentially con- contend in tournaments uh, is when he's 50 years old in a couple of years. When he goes, then he can play the Champions Tour. You can use a cart if he wants to actually have like live reps under his belt instead of jumping on a course after six, eight months, you're not going to win. I don't care how good you are. That's, the players are too good nowadays. But then again, I guess if you want to go against that theory, there's been a lot of 100 to, uh, to one long shots to win this year. So if they can win, of course, Tiger could. But I honestly think his best chance is to, uh, to win is get some reps under his belt on the Champions Tour. Then he could actually go to the PGA Tour or, or the majors on the, on the Tour and actually have a chance to legitimately compete. Not, I'm going to jump on a major track and hope to compete over 72 holes. That's not going to realistically happen. And, of course, the other thing is, I think, no, it's kind of cool. Phil Mickelson being the the oldest male major winner ever at 50 years old, that has to be a mark. That's motivating Tiger. I need to beat Phil. I'm better than Phil. Of course, his career was better than Phil. I I really think that that little mark is is, is what's going to motivate Tiger Woods to do that. Of course, Augusta National and the Masters is likely chancy, but he would be able to do that. But yeah, just play. He needs to. He needs to play consistently, and that won't happen. I don't think until he turns fifty. I like that take about Tiger on on PGA Tour champions in a cart getting those reps, and I haven't heard of something like that before. And that's why you're brilliant, Michael, because you give a different perspective on thoughts like that. Let's briefly touch on the Mexico Open at Vidanta before we sign off here. Tony Finau is odds were plus seven fifty, now down to plus nine hundred. The only uh, of the three digit odds, if you will. Yay or nay, Tony Finau at plus 900. I, I know he's been second and in, in, in won last year, the last two, two years here, so obviously he loves this track and does really well. I still have to go nay. Like, it's just any time you get a golfer against uh, you know, all these other players, at, that's short of odds. I just can't do it. It just, it just seems like you're throwing away money. Like, as an example, if, you're, if Scotty Scheffler has been a, a brilliant player the last few years, if you were to bet him after the Players' Championship last year, Every single week, he's pretty much been triple digits, and he would have had zero dollars in your bank account. Not zero dollars in your bank account, minus dollars in your bank account, because he hasn't won. So it's just so incredible. As we said, isn't very strong. 
I, I just have to go nay with uh, with Fino, just because it's it the investment to put into to even win anything remotely all that appealing is just way too much money to least for me anyway. Might as well wait, as I said, maybe pick a guy going into Saturday or even Sunday who's maybe you know four or five back or something like that, a favorite player of yours. Much more likely to me to happen than a player. I know it is like you said is is uh, past here. He's been very very good, but. I just don't like the the odds for that, uh, for me personally. Okay, yeah, I'm on the same wavelength. I do not have Tony Finau right now on my squad, and I, I just don't think. At plus 900, those are a little too short of odds. Well, Hound Dog, we've run out of time. It's been so much fun to have you back on here to 2024. Looking forward to having you on again. I know you're you're off to a golf simulator on Friday, so next time you're on the show, we're going to need a full report on how you hit it, okay? Sounds good, and I strive in, in my life. The, the most uh, the thing I strive most for is to be the best friend of the show. That 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 that's my goal. Well, we'll have much more on that coming up soon. Michael, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been a blast. That was Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Wants to be the best friend here on Golf Talk Canada. We'll have to talk uh, to our panel about that when we come back here on GTC. We'll hear from Tony Finau one more time, and we'll wrap up today's show. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac's all-electric vehicles that get you in the game. Choose from a $750 credit with flow or installation of a level 2 home charging capability from Qmerit when you purchase or lease a new Cadillac Lyric. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf. Looking to refresh your golf wardrobe this season? Adidas carries the latest golf styles and technology, built for on and off the course. We encourage you to express your style through every swing. Visit adidas.ca slash golf to explore more. Wrapping up this week's edition of GTC, stay tuned to next week's show when we have a lot of Adidas content coming. You won't want to miss this. Lots of Adidas content coming from us here on GTC. Well, we don't have a, a time to play our last Tony Finau clip like I promised, but Tony Finau is the overwhelming pre-tournament betting favorite this week at plus 900. Let's take a look at our our PGA Tour picks for this week's Mexico Open at Vidanta. Mark and Bob going with two similar-looking squads. They both have Tony Finau. They both also have Mackenzie Hughes. The Canadians' odds this week are plus 5,500, where they differ. Mark has Emiliano Grillo, and Bob has Thomas Dietrich. As for me, my picks this week, Taylor Pendrith, who Michael the Hound Dog Harrison also likes. I also have Kashmir Keith Mitchell and Jake Knapp. He's my value play this week, plus 4,000 on FanDuel. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. Thanks to Mark. Thanks to Kristen. Thanks to Michael. And thanks to Mike Fox from TaylorMade for joining us. We are back this coming Monday at 10 a.m. for a full recap of the Mexico Open at Vedanta and a Honda LPGA Thailand 2. We'll talk to you then. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf. Looking to refresh your golf wardrobe this season? 
Adidas carries the latest golf styles and technology built for on and off the course. We encourage you to express your style through every swing. Visit adidas.ca slash golf to explore more. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.